Hello, welcome to the reading of the Sioux City Journal for Thursday, February 22nd. I'm Dagna, your reader today. Today's five-day forecast for the Siouxland area uh, is mostly sunny, breezy, and mild with a high today of 53 and a low tonight of 31. Friday will also be breezy with a high of 46 and a low of 24. Saturday will be mostly sunny and mild with a high of 59 and a low of 31. Sunday will be mostly sunny and mild with a high of 61 and a low of 35. And then Monday will be the warmest day uh, with a high of 70 and a low of 39. Today's mini editorial is written by Greg Nooney of Sioux City. Greg writes, Before we cut state income taxes even more, let's fully fund mental health treatment, bump up EBT, and the child tax credit, build low-income housing, and some tiny houses for the homeless. Again, this was written by Greg Nooney of Sioux City. Our main story on the front page today is concerning housing, higher costs, fewer homes. The number of new housing permits slumped in Sioux City and North Sioux City last year and rose slightly in South Sioux City, though the number did not come anywhere near the meeting the actual demand. Higher interest rates and construction costs were blamed for the short shortfall. Sioux City Economic and Community Development Director Marty Dodery told the journal, there's no question that the higher costs have affected the ability of developers to build more housing. There were 138 housing starts in Sioux City in 2023, 34 single-family homes and 104 apartments, compared to 254 starts in 2022. North Sioux City added 16 units, 6 single-family and 10 apartments, the lowest number of new residents added on an annual basis since 2015. In South Sioux City, 21 new single-family residents were permitted in 2023, compared to 16 a year earlier. What was built in South Sioux City last year hardly put a dent in the community's housing needs. A study conducted by the Lincoln, Nebraska firm of Hannah Keelan Associates in 2023 found that South Sioux City will need more than 400 additional residential units by 2025 and somewhere north of 800 units by 2028. Oscar Gomez, South Sioux City's Economic Development Director, said of the number of housing units added last year, it's not good enough for the need of the community. So obviously we cannot build it fast enough, but the developers are trying. They can only build so many. Many of the homes built in South Sioux City last year were priced at the higher end. $500,000, for instance, for a 2,100-square-foot ranch house with a three-car garage and a finished basement, and $498,000 for a 1,800-square-foot ranch house with a four-car garage and an unfinished basement. Others were more modestly priced, like a $285,000 1,400-square-footer with a two-car attached garage. The higher-priced homes, Gomez said, are out of reach for many of the residents or pro prospective residents who need a place to live in South Sioux City. The city estimates that a hypothetical couple working at the Tyson Beef Plant in Dakota City, earning $23 or $24 an hour each, could afford, at the most, a $290,000 house. We need more housing that the people can actually live in our community can actually afford. Gomez said. 
And in service of addressing this, South Sioux City's Community Development Agency is proceeding on a workforce housing project with the co contractor R. Perry Construction using tax increment financing to subsidize housing with a price ceiling lower than the actual cost of construction. A study prepared in 2022 by the Fairbault, Minnesota firm of Community Partners Research concluded that the North Sioux City market could use between 132 and 149 rental units over the following five years and 200 to 240 single-family homes. Andrew Nalges, North Sioux City's Economic Development Director, said there is a desire to be in North Sioux City. A town hall meeting is slated February 29th at the North Sioux City Community Center to discuss an 86-acre workforce housing development called Union Crossing, which has yet to advance beyond the proposal phase. Sioux City's high housing demand is not unique among Iowa communities. One study in 2022 found that the state will need 42,000 more residents by 2030. The housing shortage is a nationwide phenomenon and it has been ongoing for years. According to the National Association of Realtors, one housing permit is issued in the United States for every two new jobs created. In some places, particularly metropolitan areas, the ratio of jobs created to homes built is much worse. Daughtery said he spoke with state officials during a Siouxland Chamber of Commerce legislative trip to Des Moines earlier this month to advocate bolstering the Workforce Housing Tax Credit Program, which helps bankroll affordable housing units in Iowa. At present, the state allocates $35 million annually to urban communities for workforce housing and $35 million for the state's rural sections. Daughtery said he'd like to see the $35 million allotment for urban workforce housing increase to $50 million. We really need housing units in Sioux City, Daughtery said. There's clearly a huge need for new housing in Sioux City. Mother Sue's East Sack over Teachers Affair, Sack City, Iowa. The mother of a teenage boy who had a sexual relationship with an East Sack County high school teacher has sued the school district and former administrators for failing to adequately supervise the teacher and investigate rumors of her affair with the boy. The mother said in the lawsuit that the mishandling of the situation by former superintendent Jeffrey Cruz and principal Kevin Litterer, both of whom are no longer with the district, denied him of his constitutional equal protection rights, resulting in severe emotional distress for the boy and his mother. Former East Sac special education teacher Stephanie Kelsey had sex with the boy one to three times a week from December 2021 until March 4, 2022, when the boy, identified in the lawsuit as John Doe, was a freshman and aged 14 and 15, according to the lawsuit. Kelsey, now 36, was arrested on March 11, 2022, and later pleaded guilty in Sac County District Court to single counts of third-degree sexual abuse and sexual exploitation by a school employee. She was sentenced in April to 10 years in prison and is currently housed at the Iowa Correctional Institution for Women in Mitchellville. According to the lawsuit filed earlier this month in Sac County District Court, Doe was often absent from his classes. When teachers called his home, his mother told them he was at school. Some of those times he was absent, he was in Kelsey's classroom. No teachers or administrators ever searched for him when he was absent or followed up with him about his whereabouts. Students in Kelsey's classroom witnessed Kelsey put her head on Doe's shoulder and have lengthy hugs with him. 
Though he was not in special education, Doe would get extra help with his assignments from Kelsey, and according to the suit, he felt obligated to have sex with her or she might not help him if he did not meet her demands. Kelsey sent the boy dozens of nude and partially nude photos of herself, sometimes several in a day, and he shared them with friends. Kelsey would invite Doe to her classroom, alone during school hours, lock the door and have sex with him, the lawsuit said. She kept a record on her desk calendar of every time the two had sex, marking the day with a heart. At least two parents called school officials to report rumors of the, the relationship and nude photos, but no investigation was done. A teacher's aide and police officer, both mandatory reporters of sexual abuse, did not inform anyone when told about the rumors. Cruz and Litterer spoke to Kelsey in January or February 2022 about the rumors, which she denied. Doe was never interviewed and his mother was not contacted. On March 9, 2022, another mother texts Doe's mother with a message from Litterer about their sons leaving school during lunch and about Kelsey sending nude photos to students. The mother told Doe's mother that Cruz and Litterer had called her to ask what she knew about the rumors. Doe's mother had not been contacted and she emailed Litterer. Later that day, Litterer left a voicemail for Doe's mother telling her Doe would not be permitted to go to Kelsey's classroom and said, we know Stephanie and Doe had a special relationship, indicating he had knowledge about their relationship, the lawsuit said. The other mother was searching her son's phone later that day and found text messages from Doe that indicated he had been having sex with Kelsey. She sent screenshots of them to Doe's mother, who then showed them to Sac County Sheriff Ken McClure. In an interview on March 11th, Doe told McClure he and Kelsey had sex numerous times. During the interview, while they were looking at Doe's Snapchat account, Kelsey sent him a photo of herself with the caption, I love you. During an interview with authorities, Kelsey admitted having sex with Doe and was arrested. Since then, the lawsuit said, community members have made slanderous statements about Doe and his family and have harassed them. Doe, now age 17, quit attending school in person the day Kelsey was arrested and finished his education homeschooling, graduating in May. As a result of the school's negligence and failure to investigate the rumors, the lawsuit said he and his mother have suffered emotional pain and anguish, humiliation, embarrassment, anxiety, and loss of enjoyment of life and have incurred medical and counseling costs. They have requested a jury trial and award of a judgment against the district, crews, and litterer to compensate them for those damages. Storm Lake Police, escapee back in custody. Storm Lake. A man who escaped Storm Lake Police while handcuffed Monday is back in custody. The Storm Lake Police Department said in an updated Facebook post Tuesday that 26-year-old Luis Juan Rodriguez Garcia has been located and is in custody. He escaped from police Monday evening after being taken to Buena Vista Regional Medical Center's emergency room for pre-incarnation screening. Earlier Monday evening, Storm Lake officers were called to a residence in the 500 block of Hudson Street for a trespassing incident. When they arrived on the scene, they found Rodriguez Garcia inside the home and took him into custody, according to a statement released by Assistant Police Chief Patrick Diekman. At 9.15 p.m., as a Storm Lake officer was escorting 
Rodriguez Garcia back to a patrol vehicle. He allegedly broke free from custody and fled from the officer on foot, a statement released Tuesday by Assistant Police Chief Patrick Diekman said. Rodriguez Garcia was last seen in the 1500 block of Shoreway Drive. Police searched the area throughout the evening but were unable to locate him, the statement said. At 2.30 p.m. Tuesday, Sac County deputies were called to Shaler, Iowa, for a reported sighting of a man matching Rodriguez Garcia's description. Members of the Sac County Sheriff's Office, Buena Vista County Sheriff's Office, and the Storm Lake Police Department responded and found Rodriguez Garcia in the area of Corey Avenue and 210th Street. He was taken into custody without incident, according to a statement released Wednesday. After Rodriguez Garcia escaped from police custody at 3 a.m., he allegedly entered an unlocked vehicle in the 1000 block of Seneca Street. The statement said he took the vehicle and drove to Shaler, where the vehicle ran out of gas. He remained in Shaler until citizens in the area reported him to police. Rodriguez was taken to the Bryna Vista County Jail, where he was charged with first-degree theft, a Class C felony, and misdemeanor charges of escape from custody, fourth-degree criminal mischief, interference with official acts, fifth-degree theft, and trespassing. Battle Creek Man Enters Plea in Shooting Case Ida Grove a Battle Creek, Iowa man who was scheduled to stand trial Tuesday for attempted murder instead entered a plea to a lesser charge. Derek Mefford, 44, entered an Alford plea to charges of willful injury causing bodily injury, interference with official acts while displaying a dangerous weapon or while armed with a firearm and reckless use of a firearm causing property damage. In an Alford plea, the defendant admits no guilt, but a judge enters a guilty plea into the record. District Judge Stephen Andreessen accepted Mefford's plea and scheduled sentencing for April 29th in Ida County District Court. Mefford had been charged with attempted murder, a Class B felony that carries a 25-year prison sentence. Two of the charges he pleaded to are Class D felonies, both punishable with five-year prison sentences, and the third is an aggravated misdemeanor that carries a two-year sentence. According to court documents, Mefford and Darren Fritz were fighting over a woman on March 20, 2022, in a home in the 600 block of 6th Street in Battle Creek. The woman pulled Fritz off of Mefford, who then produced a handgun and fired at least one shot into an upstairs wall. The fight resumed and Mefford shot Fritz once in a lower right leg. Mefford fired at least four more times into the floor around Fritz and hit him in the head with a gun, the court document said. One of the rounds traveled through a window, went through a neighbor's carport, and into the house, striking and destroying a TV. Fritz was hospitalized in Sioux City for treatment of the gunshot wound. Prior to the scheduled trial, Mefford's attorney had filed notice that he would claim self-defense, defense of another, and de necessity as defenses for the shooting. Man in custody after Sioux City garage on fire. A Sioux City man is, is facing a felony arson charge after police say he intentionally set a garage on fire Wednesday at a mobile home park. Ma Mario Alexander Arias, 31, was arrested at Evergreen Village, 5309 Highway 75 North, on charges of first-degree arson, reckless driving, crossing an unprotected fire hose, and driving with a barred license. At roughly 10.30 a.m., Sioux City Police received a report of a disturbance at the mobile home park, which is on the city's northeast side. He is a resident of the house, and it appears he set his own 
garage on fire, Sioux City Police Sergeant Jeremy McClure said of Arias, whom he did not name at the scene of the fire. McClure said a, a woman and two children were present at the time of the fire, but no one was injured. He said the only property that appears to have been damaged is the garage. The Sioux City Police Department said in a statement released Wednesday afternoon that firefighters encountered a detached garage that was fully engulfed in flames. As they began putting out the fire, the statement said Arias attempted to flee in a vehicle and drove over unprotected fire hoses. He was stopped by officers and apprehended. The investigation is ongoing. Anyone with information is asked to call the Sioux City Police Department at 712-279-6440 or Crime Stoppers at 712-258-8477. Man stabbed at Dakota City Tyson Plant. A Tyson Foods worker was hospitalized Tuesday after being stabbed during a fight with another worker. The Dakota County Sheriff's Office said in a news release that deputies were dispatched to the Dakota City Plant, 1131 Dakota Avenue, to call to a call about a disturbance. Deputies determined two men had been in a fight in which one stabbed the other. The injured man was transported to the hospital and the other man was taken into custody. The Sheriff's Office has not released the names of the men involved or the condition of the man who was stabbed. The incident remains under investigation. Lamar's woman sentenced to federal prison for stealing guns. A Lamar's, Iowa woman has been sentenced to more than seven years in federal prison, prison for stealing guns. Tressa Fiedler, 24, pleaded guilty in September in U.S. District Court in Sioux City to conspiracy to possess stolen firearms and possession of stolen firearms. She was sentenced Tuesday to 87 months in prison to be followed by one year of supervised release. There is no parole in the federal system. According to the U.S. Attorney's Office, Fiedler and Ian Bigler broke into a home on October 1st, 2021 and stole 10 guns. Four days later, Fiedler bought a car for $5,500 cash in an attempt to leave town. Bigler later fled from police in a pickup truck while in possession of one of the stolen guns. On October 15, 2021, Bigler, dressed in a bulletproof vest and armed with a stolen handgun and a shortened shotgun, hid from law enforcement in a North Sioux City home and held another person against their will. Bigler, 34, of Sioux City, was sentenced in July to 15 years in prison. Man arrested after chase surpassing 110 miles per hour. A Sioux City man is in custody after being charged early Tuesday with leading law enforcement officers on a high-speed chase for the second time in the past three months. An Iowa State Patrol trooper observed a Nissan Altima traveling at 83 miles per hour in a 65-mile-per-hour zone on U.S. Highway 20 near mile marker 2 at 3.27 a.m. The driver exited U.S. 20 at the Morningside Avenue exit and ran through a stop sign, turning north with the trooper following. The driver then accelerated to more than 100 miles per hour in a 35 mile per hour zone on Morningside Avenue and was pulling away from the trooper, who was driving 110 miles per hour, according to court documents. The driver turned west on Morningside Avenue, then north onto South Maple Street before turning west onto Garrison Avenue, driving through two stop signs. 
The driver crossed South Palmetto Street and entered an alley, striking a shed before coming to a stop in a residential backyard. The driver fled the car on foot, followed by officers. The trooper tasered the driver, but it had no effect and the suspect continued to run. He was found lying on the ground soon after and was arrested. A search of the car revealed two open containers of Keystone light beer, and the suspect refused to take field sobriety tests and a breath test after Sioux City police officers who assisted in the pursuit smelled alcohol on his breath and observed he had slurred speech, poor balance, and bloodshot eyes. Threaten Sarome, 29, was booked into the Woodbury County Jail on charges of eluding, second-degree criminal mischief, and operating while well intoxicated. His bond was set at $25,000. Sarome was arrested in November after an early morning high-speed chase in Morningside in the same vehicle. Sarome was charged with driving away from a police officer who had pulled him over for driving without headlights or taillights on. After the car became disabled, Sarome exited the car, fled on foot, and was apprehended. Sarome has pleaded not guilty of eluding, assault on a police officer, and interference with official acts. He's scheduled to stand trial in March. Stanton County delivers blow to CO2 pipeline. A rural Nebraska county delivered a blow this week to plans by an Iowa corporation to build a pipeline carrying carbon dioxide across the state. On a 3-0 vote, the Stanton County Board denied a conditional use permit for Summit Carbon Solutions, which is seeking to build a CO2 pipeline for more than 50 ethanol plants in the Midwest to a sequestration site in North Dakota. Stanton County Clerk Wanda Herman said commissioners stated that they needed more information about the health risks and possible foreign ownership of the company and that they wanted to see more public education and consideration of alternative routes. Summit, Herman said, would have to reapply for a conditional use permit if it wants to cross the northeast Nebraska County. One Stanton County landowner who opposes the project noted that not one landowner testified in favor of the pipeline prior to the county board's vote Tuesday. Justin Kennedy, a member of the opposition group, the Nebraska Easement Action Team, said, I want it to be advertised that counties, or at least one, as of now, was presented with this decision and denied it, unanimously denied it. The Nebraska Easement Action Team is a wing of the Bold Alliance, which led opposition to the crude oil Keystone XL pipeline. A summit spokeswoman said the company respects the decision of the Stanton County Commissioners and will address their feedback. Spokeswoman Sabrina Ahmed Zoner said more than 90% of the landowners in Stanton County have signed voluntary easement agreements, demonstrating broad understanding and support of the project. Also on Tuesday, the Dakota County Planning and Zoning Commission tabled until April a decision on whether to recommend approval of a county conditional use permit for Summit. Commissioners said they needed more information, according to Joe O'Neill, the county's zoning administrator. Last fall, Summit Carbon Solutions announced it was postponing its project until 2026 because of opposition to the $5.5 billion 2,000-mile CO2 pipeline. It is the largest carbon pipe pipeline being proposed in the region and would pass through Iowa, North and South Dakota, and Minnesota, as well as Nebraska. Proponents of corn-based ethanol have touted the plan to capture and sequester CO2 produced by ethanol plants as a way to make the fuel more friend, 
friendly environmentally and ensure a market for the fuel into the future. Billions in federal funds have been set aside to help capture the greenhouse gases. We'll now have a, a devotional from um, Kathy Yoder. Kathy is a devotional writer and may be reached at kathyyoder4 at gmail.com. And today she writes, I have worn glasses since I was 13 years old. I still have that very first pair. Remarkably, they have survived my many moves. The small frames are black with two silver decorative lines on either side. I don't see as well through them as I once did. My vision has changed dramatically over the years. One thing that has changed more recently is that I can read better without my glasses than with them on. My close-up vision is very good. My eye doctor said that one day I will lose that ability, but for now, I am enjoying it. For any distance past holding a book close to me, I need my glasses. I'm definitely nearsighted. My husband, Lyle, has amazing long-distance vision, and he doesn't even wear glasses except for reading small print. One day, as we were driving to town, Lyle said, There's a coyote running through the field. Where? Where? I asked excitedly. I'd never seen a coyote in real life. I grew up watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom on TV. I enjoy seeing animals in their natural habitat. Lyle told me the coyote's exact location. I looked until I finally saw it before it disappeared from sight. I know it's silly, but seeing that coyote felt like an accomplishment. Another day, Lyle saw three bald eagles in a short distance. Where, where, I asked. He told me their location. I did manage to see one. Another day, a fox ran across the road in front of us. I saw him right away. This past week, we both saw a younger eagle in the field. We pulled over. As we got closer, it lifted off. Its wingspan is amazing. Two other eagles quickly joined the younger one in flight. When the Lord created the heavens and the earth, he did an amazing job. Just by looking around us, we should know that God exists. Apostle Paul explains this in Romans 1. But God shows his anger from heaven against sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything that God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing him. We have no excuse for not knowing God because we can see him in everything that he made. Others who do not know him may ask the question, where, where? The obvious answer is that he's everywhere. He's in the smile of a friend who speaks words of comfort. He's in the middle of a family who prays to him, asking for help. He's in the beautiful sunrises and in the spectacular sunset. God not only sees the birds of the air, he knows when even one falls to the ground. From Matthew 10, what is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? Not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. We are priceless to God. He's present in the hearts of those of us who follow him every day of our lives. Life can be scary. In fact, it can be very scary at times. I've had the privilege of knowing many people over the years who have trusted me with their stories. These stories have become a part of me. They are sacred. More times than I can remember after hearing about another's life, I've said to myself, how do you even function 
in the real world? The answer is that one, the ones who excel through unbelievable trials do so because they walk with the Lord. They don't learn, lean into their pain and make their home there, although that would be so easy to do. No, they lean on the creator of the universe. He is their strength against overwhelming obstacles. He makes roadways in the deserts of their lives and nourishes them with his love. They discover what we should all know. When we surrender our lives to the Lord of all creation, he watches over us. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. And that's from Psalm 121. The Lord sees everything. He doesn't have to ask where, where. He's already there. He's everywhere all at once. Moses tells his successor Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you or abandon you. And that's from Deuteronomy 31. It's still true today for all of us who follow the Lord. Yes, my vision has changed dramatically over the years. I see the Lord actively walking with me. I'm so thankful for his presence. He's been leading me and guiding me all my life even or especially during those times when I chose to go my own way and not his way. He's been with me. Even though I might not always spot a coyote or an eagle, I don't have to look around for the Lord and say, where, where, because he's right where he's always been with me and all of his children. And again, this was written by Kathy Yoder, who is a devotional writer. You are listening to the reading of the Sioux City Journal for Thursday, February 22nd on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service. Now we'll turn to today's obituaries. LaVon Ellen Stewart Edmonds, Ottawa, Iowa, went to be with her Lord Saturday, February 17th at 7.28 a.m. A celebration of life is scheduled for 11 a.m. Thursday, February 22nd at the First Christian Church in Ottawa with a luncheon to follow. Visitation will be held one hour prior to the service starting at 10 a.m. Interment will be held at Ottawa City Cemetery. If desired, memorial contributions may be given in memory of Levon to Central Iowa Christian School or First Christian Church of Ottawa and mailed in care of Smith Funeral Home, P.O. Box 368, Grinnell, Iowa, 50112. Alice Sensky, 90, Sioux City, passed away on February 15th. She died peacefully at Sunrise Retirement Community in Sioux City. She will have a family ga graveside service in the spring. Alice Sensky was born August 16, 1933, in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, to Sherman and Laura Spickerman McCourt. Alice loved helping people by volunteering in schools and nursing homes. She was always happiest playing games, following sports, and spending time with her family. She was a member of Redeemer Lutheran Church. In lieu of flowers, memorials may be sent to Sunrise Retirement Community. Douglas D. Berg, 63, North Sioux City, died Saturday, February 17th. A memorial service at 11 a.m. Friday uh, will be held uh, at Moore and Becker Hunt Funeral Home in South Sioux City. Visitation will be one hour prior at, to the service at the funeral home. Constance M. Wagner, 72, of Salix, died Friday, February 16th at her residence. 
Funeral services will be held 10.30 a.m. Friday, February 23rd at the Community Church of Christ at 402 Beale Street in Sloan. Burial will be in the Memorial Park Cemetery. Visitation will be one hour prior to service time. Arrangements are under the direction of Waterbury Funeral Service of Sergeant Bluff. Connie was born on May 15, 1951 in Davenport, Iowa, the daughter of Dr. Raymond and Nancy Cole. Connie graduated in 1969 from Westwood High School in Sloan. Connie was united in marriage to Dr. Wallace J. Wagner on April 15, 1972 in Salix. Connie was licensed as an x-ray technician and was the office manager at Wagner Chiropractic Clinic in Sioux City for 30 years. After retiring in 2009, Connie and Wally traveled to Western Europe and Eastern Europe with the Greater Europe Missions. By 2015, they were also traveling to Ecuador for medical missions. Connie led many women's ministries and Bible studies. Connie was a talented artist, specializing in China paintings. Connie's favorite family time was spent at the lake house in Yankton. Dean M. Harvey, 88, of rural Marcus, passed away on Sunday, February 18th at the Cherokee Regional Medical Center. The Ernest Johnson Funeral Home in Marcus is assisting Dean's family with arrangements. Estelle Serene Sherman, née Rosenthal, aged 91, of Sioux of St. Louis Park, Minnesota, formerly of Sioux City, passed away February 17th. Funeral services will be 2 p.m. Monday, February 19th at 8th Jesseron Congregation, followed by burial at the 8th Jesseron Cemetery. Shiva will be at, 9, at 7 p.m. Monday and Tuesday at Adith, and at 7 p.m. Wednesday at Knollwood Place Apartments. And that concludes the obituaries. The, we're now moving into the section about the Siouxland Choice Awards for 2024. Here's a shocker. Taylor Swift was not in the running for any of this year's Siouxland's Choice Awards. Sorry, but there's always next year. It seems like Taylor, that Barbie movie, and maybe Oppenheimer have been winning everything these days. Luckily, our Siouxland's Choice is geared toward local nominees and voted on by local people. Each year, The Weekender asks its readers to vote in a dizzying number of categories. This year, we received more than 16,000 nominees and more than 170,000 votes. Were any of these things remotely controversial? Probably not. Our contest is designed to answer all of life's most important questions. For instance, we must know which building has the fanciest public restroom and which business has the best CBD supply. Well, your nosy friends at the Weekender are ready to spell the beans. Where can you get Siouxland's best tacos, trampoline, or a tummy tuck? Check out the following pages and see if you agree with your fellow readers. More important, if you see a business, a restaurant, or a service provider with a Siouxland's Choice designation, know they must be doing something right. This is because the Siouxland's Choice is democracy in action, with no hanging chads or cyber ninjas, just the voice of the people. You've been very generous with your advice. Now take some from the Weekender. Sit back, prop up your feet, get cozy, and tell the winners you saw them in the Weekender. And now we move to the 2024 edition of the Siouxland's Choice Awards. Enjoy. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm not going to read all of the different categories in that, but they have some articles about some of the winners. So I'm going to be reading um, the articles that they have about the winners. Um, 
Hawk's Coffee Shop is a smoothie operator. When Cindy Nelson decided to open Hawk's Coffee Shop in Sergeant Bluff with her husband, Matt Nelson, she wanted the space to become a hub for the community. She said, I want it to be used for small gatherings like a girls' night out or a wine sampling or even the site for a murder mystery party. I envisioned it as being as much of a community center as it was a coffee shop. Luckily, Sergeant Bluff residents caught on to the concept of Hawks right away, in spite of the fact that the 110 Gall Drive business opened a few weeks before the COVID-19 pandemic. COVID could have killed us, but once the pandemic restrictions were loosened, customers started to come through our doors, and that never stopped. Nelson, a former social worker and sociology professor, explained. Now, four years after its grand opening, Hawk's Coffee Shop has earned a Siouxland's Choice first place finish. However, it wasn't in the category of coffee or for favorite party place. Instead, Nelson's business was being honored for the smoothie, smoothies. Well, not what I was expecting, but I'll take it, Nelson said, noting that the shop makes mango, peach, strawberry, strawberry banana, wild berry, and healthy green smoothies. That is in addition to the coffees, lattes, mochas, teas, and sodas, which constitute the bulk of Hawk's drinks menu. We even offer a flight where a customer can order four drinks, hot or cold, on a flight border, Nelson said. That way, a customer can choose the best of everything. For people wanting to nosh, Hawks has a limited menu of breakfast and lunch favorites. The morning crowd might enjoy a choice of a fresh baked good or something more substantial like avocado toast, a strawberry and banana quesadilla, or a gourmet breakfast sandwich, which comes, which comes with a sausage patty, egg, Munster cheese, and mayo on an everything bagel. The noontimers might choose anything from a turkey bacon club sandwich, a Philly steak panini, and even pepperoni flatbread pizza. Nelson said she is ecstatic over her Siouxland Choices recognition. It is something she wants to share with both her employees as well as her regular customers. To be honest, we have people who tried to talk us out of opening a coffee shop in Sergeant Bluff, she admitted. Sergeant Bluff is too close to Sioux City, they argued. Yet we proved them wrong, Nelson continued. If you offered great food, great drinks, and great customer service, people will support a small, locally-owned business. KTIV meteorologist wins Sioux Liberty and Siouxland's Choice Award. A little bit after 11 a.m., Jacob Howard was still full of energy, pulling together a weather forecast for KTIV's noonday news show. He had been hard at work in the Storm Team 4 office since 3 a.m., Weather has always been exciting for me, Howard, who joined KTIV in June 2022, explained. I've loved it ever since I was a little kid. Apparently, audiences have also taken a shine to Howard. He was selected Siouxland's Choice for local Sioux-Liberty, following in the footsteps of such KTIVers like Al Jones and Ron DeMars. Born and raised in the small town of Raleigh, Mississippi, Howard had seen how destructive weather could be in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. I was only three or four at the time, but I could see what was happening. After graduating from Mississippi State University, Howard jumped at the chance to move to Siouxland, where weather can change at a moment's notice. He said, to be honest, I had only seen snow fewer than 10 times in my life. After our last blizzard, people asked me if I was sick of snow. I had to answer no, I wasn't. During his time off, 
It, Howard enjoys spending time with his dog Daisy, going to garage sales, and collecting cookbooks. He said, I love cooking and southern cuisine has always been close to my heart. Maps are another thing that Howard loves. That's how I decorate my apartment, he said. Instead of putting up art, I put up maps. Less than a half an hour before the start of KTIV's noon news, Howard reflects on what it means to be a Sioux Liberty. I've never really thought I was a Sioux Liberty or any kind of celebrity, he said. People think they know me because I'm on TV every day. I like that they feel comfortable with me. I guess the thing I always tell people is to always be yourself, Howard continued. If you're on TV on a daily basis, audiences demand authenticity. This is especially true for a television meteorologist. Howard said, thankfully, we don't have severe weather all the time. When it does, it impacts everyone. And now we move to an article about the best bartender. Nick Long is a friendly presence at work and church booze parlor. Whether he's working at the 2 a.m. closing time or opening up 215 4th Street Bar at 6 a.m. Wait, isn't 6 a.m. too early in the day for a bottle of beer or a shot of whiskey? Not if you're working the night shift at the hospital at, or at the meatpacking plant, Long explained while waiting on a customer. Their 6 a.m. is like other people's 6 p.m. In fact, I have a regular customer who must be in his 80s, he said. The man will come in first thing in the morning, order a beer, and then continue on with the rest of his day. A former salesman, Long usually has a smile on his face as well as a story to tell. I love my customers, he said, and I love my crew. Most people hate going to work. I look forward to it because I'll always be surrounded by friends. Apparently, Long has many friends. He has been selected Siouxland's Choice for Best Bartender as, at work and church as, and as well as at the adjacent Crash Boom Bang Whiskey Hole at 213 4th Street. Indeed, this has been a banner year for both bars, which are owned by businessman Mac Dolan. Work and Church is taking home top honors for Best Happy Hour and Siouxland's Choice in Favorite 4th Street Bar. Crash Boom Bang is the top pick for mixed drinks for Siouxland's Choice voters. We take such recognition seriously, Dolan said, and means so much because it's coming from our customers. Dolan were, opened Work and Church more than 10 years ago as a friendly, unpretentious working class bar. There was so much activity going on in the opposite side of 4th Street, he explained. We wanted to keep the action going on the west end of 4th. About seven years ago, Dolan opened Crash Boom Bang as a whiskey bar that would attract a different type of clientele. Work and church is a place where you can hang out with your buddies, he noted. Crash Boom Bang is where you can have a nice mixed drink and relax for an hour or two. While at Crash Boom Bang, a patron can get a smoked old-fashioned, which is a drink that Long enjoys making. I don't really have a preference when it comes to which bar I prefer, he said. The only difference is I get to show off my drink-making skills more at Crash Boom Bang. When asked what it takes to be Siouxland's choice for best bartender, Long said, an outgoing personality certainly helps. The old stories are all true, he said. People do tell bartenders stuff they would not tell anybody else, and I'm okay with that. Plus, it doesn't matter if it's closing time at 2 a.m. or if it's a shift 6 a.m. early shift, Long will greet his customers with a smile on his face. Work doesn't feel like work when you are enjoying yourself, he said. We now move on to best burger. In case you've never had one, a smash burger is a burger that is made by smashing ground beef onto a grill or griddle with a spatula. 
Smashing the patty locks in all of the juices and flavor while giving the meat a nice crisp exterior. Smash Burgers are the star of the show at the Smash Food Truck, which is owned by veteran chef Clay Lilly. A mainstay at the Sioux City Farmer's Market and Food Truck Friday, the food truck is be being coming a site at many area community events and social gatherings. So it should not come as much of a surprise that Smash was named Siouxland's Choice for Best Burger and that the Smash Food Truck was selected as Siouxland's Choice for Best Food Truck. It is also a testament to Lily, who uses the best and freshest ingredients for his burgers. You may think we're cutting corners when making burgers in a food truck, Lily said, shaking his head. Instead, we are giving customers a gourmet burger in the casual setting. It all starts with the meat. I use ground chuck with 80% lean meat to 20% fat, Lily said. You need that fat to produce this taste of a smash burger. In addition, Lily will use fresh produce that he'll purchase at the farmer's market. He's even been known to make his own ketchup. That should not come as much of a surprise since he started his culinary career at upscale restaurants like Bev's on the River, Clyde's, and Daga's on, on Broadway. Lily, along with his wife Sherry, opened the shack, a small standalone eatery at 211 4th Street in 2021. Cherry and I both dreamed of being our own bosses, Lily explained. When we got the chance to start the shack, we jumped at the chance. Specialized in chili cheese sliders, taco meat slider, and ye old tavern inspired loose meat sliders, the shack is often the domain of Cherry Lily. During at least seven to eight months out of the year, Lily can be found in the smash food truck, making such smash burgers like the Hot Cheetos Burger, which has a smash patty, hot Cheetos, grilled onions, sriracha, sour cream, and cheddar jack cheese on a brioche bun, or the Onion Burger, which comes with more than one quarter pound of onions. If you're more adventurous, try the Smackle Burger, which contains a smash patty, grilled onions, and cheddar jack cheese on a toasted bun that has between that is spread with peanut butter and jelly. Or if you're normally a fan of a uh, of a joint with that has golden arches, please consider his Mac Daddy, which has a smashed patty, a secret sauce, onions, pickles, cheddar jack, cheese on a brioche bun. Also, don't forget to finish your order with some super garlicky fries. That's what I've been told, Lily said. People do love our garlic fries. They're almost as popular as our burgers. And our next um, article is Morningside University woos the votes. Mia Wenzel could barely speak above a hoarse whisper the day after the Kansas City Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers during Super Bowl 58. Despite that, the Laverne, Minnesota native could still sing the praises of Morningside University. A counseling major as well as a member of the Mustangs tennis team, Wenzel is also a member of Morningside's Woo Crew. That's W-O-O. Okay, we'll bite. What the heck is a Woo Crew? Established in 2020, Morningside's Woo, an acronym for Welcome Orientation Organizers, Crew is a student-based group that helps first-year students and their families become acquainted with the university. Faculty administrators can talk all day about how great the university is, said Dr. Albert Mosley, president of Morningside. But our best representatives are our students, and the Wu crew is a big part of that. Wenzel nodded her head in agreement. 
Coming to a new school is intimidating, she said. You're on a strange campus, away from many of your family and friends for the first time. As she continued, the first people I met at Morningside was a Wu crew, and it made me feel accepted. When I was offered the chance to be part of the welcoming committee, I jumped at the chance. Perhaps due to such innovative outreach programs, Morningside University was selected as Siouxland's choice for higher education. Psychology major Taylor Cole credited Wenzel's enthusiasm as one of the reasons she chose Morningside. Mia it was so nice and helpful that she immediately won over me and my parents, the Clorinda, Iowa native said. With her freshman year almost over, Cole is convinced she made the right decision. Morningside is different than the bigger school, she acknowledged. At other schools, you feel like a number. At Morningside, you feel like you're part of a community. Like Wenzel, Cole is on the Mustangs tennis team. I love it that you'll see Dr. Mosley and other members of the administration at tennis matches or just around campus, Cole explained. That says a lot. Similar to Wenzel, Cole is now on the Wu crew, as is ag education freshman Alec McIntaffey. We noticed Alec was hanging around the Crone Advising Center a lot, Morningside's Vice President for University Engagement, Aaron Edland, said. We got him involved in the welcoming program as well. Actually, I'd go to Crone in order to see Bet, the two-year-old golden retriever who serves as Morningside's first ever animal ambassador. But I'm happy to recruit future Morningside students, which is important to the university, Mosley said. We want students to come to Morningside, stay here, and graduate from here, he said. Morningside has a great reputation for excellence, and we want that to continue for many years to come. And now we move to the category of comedians. Gary Lewis knows how to draw attention. Indeed, that's been the Sioux City-based stand-up comics calling card for more than 40 years. Whether it's wearing long underwear and a sandwich board to draw a crowd to one of his shows, or trading jokes, among other things, with Cheech and Chong's Tommy Chung, Lewis has been witness to the rise and fall of the comedy club circuit. He's even been an early adapter of comedy migrating to online sites via his own, his own YouTube tea time of the socially distanced soul videos. So it shouldn't be too surprising that Lewis has been voted Siouxland's choice for best stand-up comic. Yet, if truth be told, he would have preferred to have been an actor. When I was younger, I was pretty, Lewis said with a smile, in a dollar general store Johnny Depp sort of way. We don't know about that, but we could picture him on shows like Caroline's Comedy Hour and An Evening at the Improv that were popular cable TV fair in the 1980s and 90s. Those were the years it really paid to be in stand-up comedy, Lewis said. Work was plentiful, and complete strangers would buy you a drink before and after your set. This was certainly a heady time for a kid who grew up in Rock Rapids, Iowa. I'd watch all the great stand-up comics like Pryor and Carlin on The Sullivan Show or The Tonight Show, Lewis said. I'd like, I'd think to myself that this would be a good way to make a living. To be fair, Lewis has been making his living by making people laugh, whether in clubs across the country or in and around his adopted hometown of Sioux City. In fact, Lewis MCs an annual Christmas show where he invites singers, dancers, and fellow comics for a night that benefits nonprofit organizations like the Warming Shelter and the Soup Kitchen. 
During the course of his career, Lewis has acted in community theater productions, booked acts for local comedy nights, and isn't afraid to get dirty, appearing as the Mud Man every year at the Kingdom of Riverside's Renaissance Fair. But nothing beats going out on a stage as a stand-up. It's still fun working for that laugh, Lewis said. And the next category is Dog Groomer. With an abundance of dense, cottony hair, Remy is in need of a professional who was able to reshape his unruly do. Luckily, Remy, part standard poodle, part great Pyrenees, or a Pyridoodle, knew he was in good hands. The oversized dog was a regular client of Tiffany Mackey at What the Fluff, 5416 Morningside Avenue, which was named Siouxland's Choice for Best Dog Groomer. Both Remy and his poodle brother, Cooper, have been bathed and groomed by Mackie since the two were puppies. I've known Remy when he was small, Tiffany Mackie said with a smile. Now he's about the size of a horse. A certified dog groomer with more than seven years of experience, Tiffany Mackie opened What the Fluff nearly six months ago with her wife, Candace Mackie. We've been dog groomers together for around four years, Candace explained. Tiffany and I have children, want to make our own schedule, and finally be our own bosses after being employees our entire professional lives. Opening up What the Fluff has been a dream come true for both of us, Tiffany said. The business model for What the Fluff is pretty straightforward. Either Tiffany, Candace, or their associate Audrey Ellis will bathe, clip, and cut their hair the hair of any dog, whether it weighs 5 pounds or 105 pounds. We like them small and we like them big like Remy, Tiffany said. We don't discriminate. We'll even dye your dog's hair if you want us to. Really? A dye job for a dog? Candace said you would be surprised at how popular that is. During Gay Pride Month, we had a client who wanted a tie-dye dog, and for Halloween, a client wanted a dog to look like a giraffe. Okay, we guess that makes sense. So where did Tiffany and Candace come up with the name of the business? We were thinking of clever dog-related names like Oodles of Poodles since we do so many poodles. Uh, ultimately, it came down to my 10-year-old niece who came up with What the Fluff, uh, Tiffany said. I thought it was both clever, funny, and most important, memorable. Though Candace has to be extra careful to enunciating the name of the business on the phone. Yeah, we don't want to offend potential clients who may not know I'm saying fluff instead of something else, she noted with a laugh. And that does it for today's reading of the Sioux City Journal for Thursday, February 22nd. I'm Dagna, your reader today. You can access a recording of today's reading on our website, iowaradioreading.org, at any time. And thank you for listening.
from the Bureau of Economic Geology, this is Earth Date. Shortly after modern humans arrived in Europe, the Neanderthals disappeared, and scientists think we had something to do with it. Neanderthals, or their direct ancestors, migrated out of Africa and into the Middle East and Europe around 250,000 years ago. Soon, they were well adapted to the environment. Large eyes helped them see in the longer nights and darker winters. Stout bodies helped them retain heat and handle large prey, and provided space for the large liver and kidneys needed for a diet heavy in protein. Their brains were as big as ours, but spent processing power on their greater visual and motor abilities. This may not have allowed them to develop higher communication or conceptual thinking to match ours, which may have been their downfall. Modern humans arrived on the scene 45,000 years ago, less physically adapted, but more mentally adaptable. We had cooperative hunting methods superior to the Neanderthals, allowing us to outcompete them for food, and perhaps reducing the large herbivore populations that they depended on. We also had superior tools and weapons. When there were conflicts between the groups, as there have been among tribes throughout history, our superior technology probably allowed us to prevail. But we weren't only fighting. There must have been considerable interbreeding, since we can find 1-3% of the Neanderthal genome in modern man. Which means the Neanderthals never completely disappeared. A little bit of them is alive in us today. I'm Scott Tinker. EarthDate is produced by the Bureau of Economic Geology at the University of Texas at Austin with support from Schlumberger, helping oil and gas companies increase production and efficiency while lowering environmental impact. You can hear more EarthDate stories at earthdate.org.